Howdy, and welcome to the Digital Transformationists podcast. On today's episode, we have the amazing Lisa Adkins with us to talk about Agile and how it can be used to navigate digital, societal, and personal transformation. Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for being here with us. Uh, I think I can speak on behalf of Garrett here. We're totally stoked that you're, uh, you're joining us. Uh, and really excited to talk about the overlap between the digital transformation and Agile. I am too. Let's find out what we discover together. I've got some ideas and I imagine you do too. <laughs> so Garrett, you're, uh, you're new to some of these technology conversations, uh, at least software development, uh, but you've lived and, and gone through a lot of digital transformation yourself in your career. I imagine you're going to have some, some great questions for, for Lisa as well. Uh, do you want to start off? Well, um, you know, I was listening to uh, the sneak peek of your new book. And um, I guess, uh, you know, the one thing that really struck me was, well, what's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with leadership and coaching? And I kind of know it has to do in, in my line of work, but um, maybe what can love bring to the corporate world and to uh, you coaching some of uh, the leaders and, and people in leadership roles? I love that question. It's just totally out of left field and feels really good for me to explore. Um, and of course, now the Tina Turner song is a rolling in my head. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, what's love got to do with it? Well, I think we're in an age where transformation starts from the inside out. So the inside of every single person outward to everything they do, to the organizations they build, to the, to the leaderfulness they bring to the world, to the craft they create, to the products and the music and the art that comes from them. And so um, that's hard work. <laughs> that kind of transformation is hard freaking work. And what love has to do with it is to be able to hold someone with care and also with a little bit of um, a backbone, also a little bit of backbone, care and backbone both. I, I, I talk about in that audiobook. that's actually a 10-year-old book, Garrett, that I am now recording oh, the wow. audiobook for because it is selling more now it has every year it sells more and more and more and more even 10 years later so there's something going on in the world about this idea of how we can help people change to be a better match for the complexity of the situations they're in and for the stuff that happens to them that they don't want to have happen like i can imagine you weren't like super excited about some of the changes that happened in your industry I certainly have not been super excited about some of mine, <laughs> right? And so, and so as we work with leaders, they get rocked. Actually, everyone does, but, and, but my focus right now is leaders. Everyone gets rocked by these changes, one after the other after the other. We don't have time to like settle down before the next one comes, right? And so what love has to do with it is to help coach these folks to make the shift they need to make to be more of a match for metabolizing that change and even, even using it as a force for good. For themselves and for others and to do that as i say in the audiobook loving compassionate and uncompromising like those are the three things to bring to coaching someone to help them with their transformation whatever that one is for them 
be uncompromising because even though you're showing them empathy and love, um, you're, you're holding them to a certain standard. I'm holding them to their best self. And oftentimes other people can see other people's best selves better than they can see it themselves. Right? I'm not demanding that they get there now, tomorrow, ever, but I am going, hey, so let's just look at what you said. What about that might be a limiting belief that's holding you or your organization back? Let's just, let's just like dig into that a little bit together. <laughs> when, when I think about Agile like that, uh, another thing I was thinking about was, um, you know, obviously when you go meet, you know, with a client and someone in a leadership role that's, you know, specifically hiring you to, you know, help increase, um, the ability of their team and the agilist of their team. Um, do you, once you start delving into it and trying to get people to achieve their best selves, do, do you encounter ever encounter some pushback? Cause it's hard. Cause people don't really want to hear probably anybody. A lot of times that they can do better. They might think that they're already doing their best. Yeah. Only every time. <laughs> right? Yeah, of course. And actually, this is this is part of the larger role of Agile in our world ecosystem right now. And I and I often say the only thing that Agile is guaranteed to deliver 100% of the time are impediments, are the hmm. are the limitations that it's throwing into your face, and in the in the ways that your organization or yourself is not a match for what's being asked of us today. Yeah. yeah. So you brought up uh, you know change for good. And I think that's the what the second principle, right? Now, typically the context is around competitiveness for the business. Do those things that'll bring value and, and competitiveness. Uh, but on this change for good, a lot of the conversation we're having these days is is around the the significant fast pace of change, and the change that is uh, seemingly insurmountable, right? We don't want to keep talking about COVID, but that was a environmental change that was kind of thrust upon us. Uh, and I think some of the stuff that you're interested in, right, as well as like, how can we take the agile framework or this agile mindset and this drive for change and do good, but perhaps beyond a business or a team? Um, and I know you want to kind of incite and perhaps uh, solicit some some ideas on that. And I know that in our conversations, we've talked about, you know, emergency response and things like that. You know, sh share more on that. Well, I have a, a particular perspective that this global pandemic we're in the middle of is not the last global right. issue we're going to be facing as a human species. And so I think we're up to something really important as, as human beings and as humanity. And, um, and I'm curious, I'm curious about what not only the agile principles and sort of nuts and bolts way of working, but also how the agile values and belief system can be an aid to those people who are going to be doing some hard work that I think is coming up. For example, responding to disasters, right? Um, it's possible that we will start to see climate disasters that um, kill a million people at a time. Yeah. Wow. I mean, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to believe that, but I have Sobering. actually done enough research to, mm -hmm. to, to believe that that is a distinct possibility. Right. So, um, so in that case, when we are <clears throat> when we are in that sort of catastrophe, and when it's not just happening here, but it's happening three or four other places 
on the globe at the same time. Mm -hmm. You know, what would it be like if we had a network of agilists who were finely tuned to help the people who respond to those disasters on the ground be more effective and to make the hard decisions they need to make without losing their souls? So I'm interested in all those things that I don't really know, but I'd like yeah. to run some experiments. Yeah, that's, it's a hard one, for sure. Um, you know, to that end, not losing our soul, the the three of us are within a few years of each other in terms of uh, our ages, and we're Gen Xers, and and we've we've kind of talked about this karmic debt that we have. You know, at the opening, you, you mentioned to, to G that um, you spent the the better part of your career climbing a ladder, and we kind of didn't focus on certain important things. You know, what are some things that come to mind that perhaps we need to be thinking about and doing? You know, probably related to what you just described. Well, I think there are two broad things that I'm focused on right now. The first one is um, both getting out of the way of and supporting the next generation. And my daughter is in that next generation. She's 22 yep. years old. She's already way more of a leader than I was even decades past the age she currently is. So um, she's a systemic thinker. She knows how to collaborate. She knows how to take in multiple perspectives without becoming seduced by one in particular or a wash in all of them where she can't move. I mean, it's amazing to watch her work, actually. Um, so that's one thing is just do what I can to support them and to clear the way for them by helping current leaders just sort of get into a more complex worldview so they're not so much in the way. Mm. And by the way, doing that, of course, is going to increase the benefit for their organization and the products they build and all the yada yada stuff they want to pursue, like market share and profit and whatever. So all of that will happen as a natural outcome. And my, my big A agenda, what I'm in it for, is maturing the consciousness and the complexity of those minds so that we can have a better chance of thriving as a human society. Hmm. One of the things that struck me about um, about that thinking is it's um, it, to me it has a very like w global view. That's right. Uh, um, which which I find very you know intriguing and a positive direction and to talk about like the human species. Um, so you're kind of like. It's obviously a huge lift, especially right now in our current like you know political <laughs> state of state of affairs in our country um, and the division of, of everyone's beliefs and everything. Um, but how? Yeah, what what are the, some of the solutions to to getting more on track to getting countries, companies, our people communicating? How can we? How can that happen? You know. This is something that I, um, I have struggled with a lot, especially in the last four years. You know, prior to our current um, situation, not only in the U.S., but sort of globally with the rise of populism and nationalism. And, um, you know, I, I sort of styled myself as, hey, I can have people have any kind of conversation. I spent a fortune in being able to stay in the storm when a hot conversation is happening. Like, I have a lot of okay. skills for that, right? Right. And I found the limitation of stuff that I cannot be with. Okay. And so, <laughs> and so what that did for me was make me go, well, damn, maybe I'm not that good of a coach and facilitator. Hmm. And so it really had me take a step back and say, okay, 
where can I be useful? And I originally thought it was going to be in helping people with very diverse and even conflicting points of view have really useful conversations. My, right. my thought was, my thought was, if we could just get to the point where we don't other each other so fast, right. then that would be better. Right? That was my original idea. Well, I found out that I was so triggered by so much going on that I had to do a bunch of inner work myself before I could do that. Mm -hmm. And in that process, I started to really, um, I started to really study something called spiral dynamics. And it's basically like the evolution of an individual human being, a society, a whole, uh, you know, our human civilization in general. And, um, and that's where I got the idea that if I could help people, as you say, Garrett, come to more of a world-centric worldview, then all of that stuff gets better. Like why focus on helping people have a typical or, or specific kind of conversation or help them even in conversational skills when if I can help them um, evolve their mental complexity, mm. then then we're in a whole new ballgame. Right, mm -hmm. right. right. So uh, you're, you're a student of Zen. Yeah. And, and when I hear you speak, it, it just it feels so Zen every time we get on a call and talk. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's hilarious because I don't feel that way inside. <laughs> no, but right, but that's it. You're still able to, uh, uh, you know, uh, evoke that that calm. Yeah. And you know, as 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 things get faster with the technology that we're working with and that we're, it's just ingrained in our lives uh, with the noise and the the, uh, the amount of the signals hard to kind of extract out of that. But it just feels like it's a very fast, jagged kind of a line, mm -hmm. and uh, and we try to find as leaders and as people some kind of just peace and, and movement and flow through that to where we're not responding to all the spikes or yep. the valleys yep. and just kind of just working through that. Um, what, what can you share on that? Cause I know you've got thoughts on that. Well, the thing I'm working with mostly, not only in myself, but with the groups I'm working with is to help them come into present time together. And I think that in, when you're creating anything, I'd love to hear what Jared has to say about this, but I, but I surmise that when you're creating anything, where you're wanting something new to emerge, you're hoping for mm -hmm. something new to emerge, you've got multiple people in the mix. Um, the only way to, to co-create something is for people to be in real time together. You see it on right. the basketball court. I mean, you see it with any great human endeavor that people are fully present in that moment. But it, it seems like in chapter five, you talk about your retrospective, which is thinking back, and then you're planning and learning about forward. Uh, you know, when you're thinking in the past, you tend to be more depressed. When you think in the future, you tend to be more, uh, you know, an anxiety kind of prone. Right now. <laughs> but, right. But in the work, though, is when you're supposed to be in your Zen kind of just yeah. working and focused. Right. Yeah. So it seems like that applies really well to what you described in Chapter 5 around, you know, not interrupting as a leader and letting things kind of take their course. Yeah. You know, when I work with leaders now and I work with <clears throat> a lot of them, um, and agile transformation leaders and organizational leaders. One of the core things I'm finding I work with almost every single one of them on is just being able to center themselves in present time. Their minds are so everywhere and there are so many distractions that pull uh, at all of us. I mean, just, just like for those of you listening, just check in for yourself right now. Like how many things are on your mind and how many things are you worried about either in the future or the past how many things are you 
um, aware are going to happen next. You know, all of that stuff. And, and when we stay at that level, when we're having conversations with the people we lead, we tend to come up with the same ideas over and over again. So like collaboration yeah. is just not happening. Emergence is just not happening. Mm -hmm. And that's like, I think that's a beautiful gift that Agile is giving to the world is this not only the practices of Agile that help us deal with an incredibly challenging world, mm -hmm. but the belief system or the value set underneath Agile. And right. one of those things is a belief in emergence, which necessarily has us have to come into the present moment. And yet so many people are spectacularly bad at it. So what are some of the techniques that do you encourage leaders to meditate? I mean, what are some of the exercises that, that can get people, I mean, and if they end up meditating, that's cool. All I want them to do is just freaking stop. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's simple. For like 30, like let, let's try 30 seconds. Like let's just start with 30 seconds. And I've actually been, I, I'm always, always um, improving my skill set. There's always so much to know and learn. And I've been taking a course in somatic, which is body-based coaching and trauma-informed mm. trauma coaching. Because especially in our world right now, so many people are experiencing trauma for the first time and people who've experienced trauma in the past, it's all, it's recapitulating like crazy right now. Mm -hmm. And so all of that is a very real backdrop for what's happening in our organizations and with our teams. And so um, in the one of the disciplines I've been learning, there is this beautiful centering um, thing that takes like a minute. To listen to a dimensional meditation led by Lisa Atkins, check out this episode's bonus material. I mean, to me, it, just, it opens up the topic of, of finding joy. Um, mm. and, and, um, and I think a lot of what you've talked about you know, today and uh, in your book is, is really about finding the joy mm. in work because mm. we, we know like work is a big part of life. So you know, let's, let's do the Marie Kondo bit and figure out what part of work is, brings us joy and, and make sure we're finding joy in it. Um, you know, our, our grandfather, you know, taught us work hard. Yeah. You know, focus sure. on two, two, three, two, three things, family, work, and, and things that are important to you as far as like, you know, interests. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, it's all distraction. It's all noise. Mm -hmm. None of that crap matters. That's right. So, you know, we've, we've made, you know, careers of, of trying to find joy in we what have. we do. We and, and uh, I've really tried just to make sure that we're, we're happy, right? And the things that we're doing. Yeah. And I think that, in essence, is, you know, when you find that joy, it's no longer work. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's just more, you know, it's fun. It's, it's, it's It builds um, character and just makes you a better person overall. And I think a lot of what you've been sharing is is just that. You know, you mentioned uh, a friend likes you for who you are. A coach um, doesn't let you settle for what you are and wants you to mm -hmm. become the next version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's what, you know, a lot of us try to get out of our careers and out of the work that we do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Well, we're standing on the shoulders of those primarily men who work their asses off for us. Hmm. You know, I think about my grandfather in the General Motors assembly line. He did the same exact thing every single day. Wow. And because he did that, my mother finished high school because right. she did that and because my parents followed in their footsteps worked their butts off to send me and my my brother to college yep. you know we now have the luxury of asking questions like what would have me feel fulfilled mm -hmm. all right 
that's not the luxury they had. Not at all. You know, I mean, like our big, we had two vacations when I was a kid. One week at Myrtle Beach in the same house every single year for seven years, and it was glorious. Wow. And every once in a while, we'd go camping, right? And, or visit friends. My father would drive 32 hours straight through for us to go visit friends. So my daughter, by the time she was four, had been to like five countries. So this is yeah. a giant, we're talking about gigantic leaps in our ability to take in more and have more experiences, which necessarily opens us up to, hey, there's lots of different ways to live and there's something right in all of it. Right. Versus my way is the only way and everyone else is wrong. Right. You know, and I think we tend to forget that there are people today that are, are in our grandfather's shoes right That's now. right. That's right. Right. And, and, and I think we need to do more to think about, like, they are now planting those seeds yeah. and doing what they can to germinate and nurture that so that the next yeah. generation, generation after that, has the same benefits that we have, like, right now. Yeah. And I think we forget that. And I think for that reason, we have a lot of unrest and, and issues right now that we need to recognize. And we're, at, you know, we're at that reckoning right now. Well, and it's also back to your, um, your assertion that some of us Gen Xers have a lot of karmic debt to pay off. And right. I, I join you in that. Um, yeah. And at the same time, if I hadn't, you know, taken advantage of every single thing and, and even right. participated in a system that had me step on people every once in a while, hmm? so it's not all, you know, yeah, not really happy with everything that happened there. Um, but that also created enough wealth and stability for my daughter to to um, enter the workforce at a level of mental complexity that is probably matching mine. Yep. Right? And so this is really good news. Um, right. And, but let me, let me not step over the, the topic you just brought up, that there are so many people having lives today, like Christian, you're and my grandfather right. had, right? And I, yeah, yeah I think... I think there's part of, part of the reason why I have the rank and privilege and all the other, the teachers I had, the parents I had, the ability to go to college, all that stuff. I don't know why it all happened, but I do know that it's a giant promissory note. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel the same way. Um, it's, a, it's a responsibility to work hard to honor the commitments and investments my grandfather made. Yep. Right. And since I do have leisure time to think about things like, oh, well, how can we mature the mental complexity of leaders <laughs> around the world? You know, it's my job to do something that has enough of an impact that it can raise us all. I mean, so that's... Indeed. So that's what I think, that's what I think it means to be in a position of, um, I'm not worried about, feeding my family or housing my family for the next few months, even though my current business has been decimated by COVID, mm. you know, so, so given that sort of leg up in the world, right. what am I going to do with it? And I, and yeah. I think it's about um, doing the greatest good I can do for the most people. And to me, I also pay attention to where I got planted. I got planted in the agile community for whatever reason. So what can I do from the place I got planted? 
and I think it's helping leaders. It's kind of, um, I was going to, to ask a question, like how is the, the reckoning, you know, especially right now, um, you know, for, you know, with, with Black Lives Matter movement yeah. being so prominent and our whole country and world just kind of coming to the reckoning, like, you know, uh, reconciliation and just recognizing and admitting, you know, like you just yeah. said, like our the whole development of our whole society was all about stepping on other cultures to, you know, uh, propel our own, you know, race or our, our own people. And, um, and it's, you know, as, as we move towards, a, you know, a more like global thinking, human species thinking, uh, togetherness, you know, um, yeah. Kind of what, what are the things that, that, how, how do we, how do we reckon that? Like, okay. Yeah. So, you know, you just said it, your job is to help leaders to achieve that. Um, I, I always think that like my music is to, you know, inspire people to be happy and inspire people to be creative and, 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 and just bring forward a message of love and togetherness. Um, you know, what else can we do? I mean, we, what else can we do? I mean, how do we, how do we, how do we tackle this every day? We have to you know, strive to communicate locally and, just make some kind of connection with people that, you know, we haven't connected with or that we've refused to connect with. I mean, what, where, where are we going? Oh my God. In circles right now, it seems, <laughs> or maybe even regressing because that's also what happens in human evolution is that sometimes our right. societies, our civilizations regress. Um, to and not necessarily to a worldview that matches the complexity of our external world. Like that's not right. going to change just for our convenience. But yet we still, sort of, many of us, and we're seeing it now writ large in the world, take a step back to try to work in a simpler point of view, where like I'm right and you're wrong. There's a capital T truth. There's a black and white aspect to this. Um, and and when we take that step back. Things like Black Lives Matter don't make any sense to us. Mm. It's kind of like, well, why, why are they upset? You know, and I'm not saying that I'm taking that step back. I'm definitely not. But there are right. many people in our society taking that backward step right now. And so I live in Richmond, Virginia, y'all. Okay, those Confederate uh, statues on Monument Avenue are coming down one after the other this summer. And we have armed militia showing up to protect them. And we have armed people who are associated with Black Lives Matter and that movement in general showing up to protect the right of people to, to convene, to say the Black wow. Lives Matter. Holy crap, this is a scary time. This is a super scary time. This is like, uh, you know, it, it's like we're... You know, I was thinking about it. I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> it's it's really stressful. You know, are we on the verge of like some kind of huge regression right now in our country? Because, I mean, that's it feels like um, what was in the Revolutionary War, like the Lexington and Concord, the shot that was heard all around the world, like all of the major like wars in in our world and 
I forget the how the World War One started in Prussia. Or, I don't know something small triggers Serbian Serbia. Mm-hmm. Something these things get triggered. Like uh, this is crazy. We feel like in a cultural battle. Like I I I don't even want to utter, this... utter the word civil war, but it feels like what is going on right now. Well, we are in a cultural battle. I mean, that's that's basically it. So what's happened is for the first time in human civilization, we have competing multiple competing worldviews that all think they're right. And so the uh, people in the Agile community will be familiar with this book by Frederick Laloux called Reinventing Organizations. And he uses in that book something that I've been studying for gosh, years and years now called spiral dynamics, which really just explains mm. this whole evolution of human society, right? And the bottom line is that we, until just very recently, and I, I mean like in the last 10 years, have not had the mental complexity of minds on the planet that can see that all of those other ways of thinking are actually okay and right in some cases. Like we don't have to battle each other like that. And that we can thrive and help thrive. Um, But, so Garrett, we're seeing it right now. So um, there are four, there's actually five, gosh, I used to not even talk about the, the bottom end of this until just recently, levels of um, societal development. And mm-hmm. and the, the four out of the five are just battling each other. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now, so this is part of why I am so passionate about helping people evolve and upgrade their mental complexity. Because when they get to that other octave, that that's what it's called, the other octave of where we sure. start a new story of human evolution mm. that's called the integral octave or um or um impact driven purpose driven evolutionary purpose driven um when we get there our goal then becomes to make it easier for everyone else to move through those other stages as fast as possible with mm. as few impediments as possible And one of the main thinkers in this area, a guy named Don Beck, talks about the locks in a canal system, right? Right. We we want those locks to function so easily for people, right? Because we are facing global challenges of the like we have never seen as a human species. And so the more people we can have who can take on more perspectives, who cannot sit in their belief that their one way is right, the more chance we have of thriving as a human species. And it's, it's possible. It's possible. Some, it's some uh, good, heavy, deep stuff right here. Yeah. And Garrett, yeah. I just, I just want to honor the, um, the idea of your music is the message of joy and togetherness and love, because there's something about yeah. art that sort of sneaks in under the door frame. Like, you know, you have a shut yeah. door. Mm-hmm. The door is totally mm-hmm. shut, but somehow this thing sneaks in under, and and it, it, I know in my life, especially music, has shifted me in so many ways that just happened like in a second. Well, it's it's interesting because and it, it kind of works two ways, uh, especially with social media because you know um, it's just. What you, when you're just saying that what popped into my mind was when people listen to music, mo- most listeners are casually listening. They're not really listening. Maybe they're, they might know all the lyrics, 
but they might not have even been thinking about what the lyrics mean. Right. I.e., you know, Bruce Springsteen's "Born in the USA" is, gets used at all, all type of. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a that's a protest song, right, about Vietnam, and it gets played at a ton of rallies that have you know are probably utterly against everything he's talking about in that song. And there's a right. million examples like that. And most musicians seem to write and come from a very kind of liberal, progressive mindset. And that's a lot, of, in a lot of ways, the job of the creative. Um, and, and then I, I think now to what you're saying about how music has the ability to kind of slip under and kind of influence people with a message of love um, and I really think that that's true. The, the other part of it is that, for instance, on social media, you know, if I um, every once in a while or every more than every once in a while, I'll put a polit politically driven you know, viewpoint post on my Instagram or something. And then it's all of a sudden the biggest thing is you should stick it's to music. I liked your music. I don't like your politics or you're, you're meant to entertain mm. not to, you know, to stay out of pox. We don't want to hear about these beliefs. I said, well, look, if you've been listening, if you're such a huge fan, you've been listening to me for 25 years, you missed the whole point of everything I've been talking right. about. That's right. Uh, so go That's ahead. Right. And, and obviously people's knee jerk right now is that if you don't like something you're hearing, it's just the unfollow, hard unfollow. Tell, tell them to go right. back and listen to this ain't living again. <laughs> exactly. So it's it's uh, it's 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 interesting thing. Yeah. Um, people, yeah. So 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 here's the thing that keeps me sane in all of this because it's so easy to get awash in all this, and I do tend to get overwhelmed with everything that's going on. When I look through that um, evolutionary perspective of the human species and society, what I can say to the situation you're in is. You know, this is someone coming from a place, the person who's unfollowing you or the person who's saying, stick to music. This is coming from a place of pain. This is coming from a place of feeling wronged or stepped on or marginalized in some mm. way. Whether or not it's true from a factual sure. standpoint doesn't necessarily matter so much. Um, but it, it is true to that person. And so... You know, as a coach, my job is to go meet that person where they are and to see mm -hmm. what they want in their life. And nine times out of ten, what they want for themselves and for their families and for their uh, a meaningfulness in their life necessarily requires them to step out of that knee-jerk reaction of, I'm right, you're wrong, I don't like your politics, right. I'm going to unfollow you, and then broaden the ability to consider Consider right. more and even at some point be able to hold contradictory ideas in one's mind at the same time. Right. Right. And so so that's something you can do already, Garrett. But it, it's not about, you know, obviously everyone's it's all politically driven right now on on the election. And well, to have that conversation, if they're feeling pain because. I'm saying, you know, vote for Biden and Harris, and they're saying, "Fuck you, vote for Trump." Yeah, you know I mean, and um, so what's the conversation? Because 
it can't be like a political policy conversation. It can't be. If, and, and they're not feeling pain because you said vote for Biden-Harris. They're feeling pain because they feel disenfranchised or something got taken away from them in the last 10 years, probably having to do with globalization, but their complexity of mind cannot consider that that's right. what happened. It doesn't even dawn on them that that's what happened to them. They just know something got taken away from them. Right. And so, like, this is not my population. I don't work with this population every day, so I can't, like, tell you a whole lot about this. But, well, but I do have it in my family and I have been working with it. It's been hard. And I'm actually in a course from my Zen teacher. Her name is Diane Musho Hamilton Roshi. She's written a book called Compassionate Conversations. Mm. And we are we are mashing up that Compassionate Conversations book with Zen Buddhism this fall, we actually start next week on the wow. new semester. And so it is exactly about how to hold that conversation. And you know what, you're right. It does not start with a policy conversation. It does not start with you trying to convince them. It starts with you being curious about what is their life like. Trying to understand, you're right, trying to understand people on just a human level first. Exactly. If you, we don't have that human connection, there ain't no way they're having a real conversation with you. Right. And you, and you talk a lot about listening in your book as well, yeah. right? As a, as a big, important trait of coaching and mentoring and, and tying those two things together. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's, you know, it's something that I've, I've had a hard time learning, perhaps, and I'm working on listening more. <laughs> I think that's a lot of people across the board. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're pretty right. bad listeners as a society, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, we're pretending to listen. We're still formulating our argument, right? Yeah. I mean, it's but it's really easy to do. It just requires practice, and usually it requires some sort of mental construct, like a framework, so that right. you can you can pay attention to what your mind's doing. You know, the one I like is three levels of listening from Coactive Coaching, and I can go, whoop, I'm at level one again. Let me focus back over there to level two. So, like that, those sort of handholds help people mm -hmm. have a way of having a practice to where they're listening better, like. Very quickly, very quickly. It's not mm -hmm. hard. It's just mm -hmm. um, just needs a little handholding. What, yeah. what What are the three? Can you just run those three levels? Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> Come on, I like to exercise. All right, all right, good. So le I'm gonna show you what level one listening is like, and you're just gonna follow me, and it's gonna feel really weird. Okay, you ready? Level one listening is like this: me, 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 me. So get that going. Me 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 okay 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 now now if that's the level of listening that you're doing you're actually hearing a voice what's the voice you're hearing my voice that's right and what is your voice saying to you as someone else is talking what are you gonna say after they finish talking yes exactly what are you gonna say what's for dinner Oh my God, I went blank. I didn't hear anything they said for the last five seconds. Like, right. So, you know, or I don't, or I don't agree with that. You know, so any of those me thoughts, right? And there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with level one listening. You know, if you're having a chit chat with your friend, perfect, great, no problem, right? At the point that you want to step into a more real exchange with someone, and definitely if you want to use coaching skills with them, You've got to be at level two listening at least. And level two is like this. Put up your two hands. And here we go. You can do your own sound effect. I like that part. Okay. Woo. I like to. Okay. 
So when you're listening like this, what are you hearing? What you just said. Yes, what the other person just said. You're necessarily creating like a hardwired conduit between you and them. You're, you're intentionally blocking other stuff out so that you can get good at focusing over there. Focus. And so, yeah. and so you're focusing and you're listening for, you're mm -hmm. listening for what's important to this person, what's not being said, what's under the words, right? And that is the place from which generative questions come. Because if you're listening like that, then a question's gonna drop into the relationship between you and the next person and your job is to ask it. The question like, what part of you actually doesn't wanna solve this, mm. right? That could be a challenging question and actually quite judgmental if delivered from a level one listening place. Mm -hmm. But at a level two listening place where you're really listening for and with them, it's, it's for and with them. Okay, and then level three is just simply this. When you listen to level two more often, so do this. Now you're getting good at keeping your focus over there without it having to be so much effort. And now you can let in everything around mm. you. So it's called global or energetic listening. And this is where you pick up the fact that the air conditioning just went on. And you might ask the question, so what's blowing through your world right now that's got your attention? Mm-hmm. So you're using cues in your environment um, without that knocking you off of your focus on the other person and for the other person. So it seems to me that this listening framework helps you learn how to listen mm -hmm. because once you've learned how to listen, like anything else, you don't, you don't have to do it and think about it. That's right. Right. It's just a natural, right. inst almost instinctive kind of a thing. It, it's still, sorry. It's, it's still, it's, it, and, and in music, it's it's everything. Uh, when you're yeah. playing in an ensemble, to listen, because of course I can play my part and sing my song and really have my blinders up to anybody if there was a hundred people right. playing, right. and not even engage them. And sometimes um, there is so much, you know. Just to be honest, there could be stage fright, or you could be upset about the sound, or anything that's taking away your focus from the present, right? That's, mm -hmm. and that's cutting you off your communicative skills with the rest of your ensemble. And it's, it's, when it happens, it's a terrible, terrible thing. And you feel like you just, and really what you did is you cheated yourself. You cheated the people that you're trying to communicate with because truly when you're really um, able to listen and, and then you can, really hear what other people are saying then you have a chance to like this that's some, right like you just said that it happens organically like a this beautiful you hear the beautiful sound that everybody else is making in a conversation as well it's something that like you know um you know just honestly i've been accused of you know a lot my whole life you know you're not listening to me off the stage or you're not listening to me <laughs> on the stage as well you know so it's it's something that i going to be a constant especially the way my brain works, a constant struggle and, and learning, you know, engagement to keep pushing myself to yeah. listen better and to focus yeah. to enable that. It's, well, I mean, let's make room for the fact that brains work all different kinds of ways. And listening is an intensely um, personal experience, really different for every single human mm. being, right? But what you're mm. talking to, like universally, is the need for the shift muscle. <laughs> 
Hmm. Because as you say, you're out there, the sound wasn't right, something else is bothering you, and your attention is here. Right. Right? You all, you immediately went to level one. Yes, me, right. me, me, me. What do I think? What am I going to do? Oh, my God, this is not going well. Da, 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 da. All that, right? So, so you can shift your attention, just like we talked about shifting attention earlier. You can shift your attention out there to level two and for you almost immediately to level three. Right? And this is a muscle. So just go ahead and do this shift muscle, right? Because what happens to us is that we're doing great. We're out there with everyone. We're with our ensemble. It's grooving. It's great. And then, oh my God, I hit a wrong note. Right. Okay. Oh my God. Right. Yep. And then, and then the job is to just go, all right, back out there. I mean, so it's just to recognize went to level one. No big deal. It's a human thing. Back out there with you. <laughs> You're, I'm going to be on stage going like this. Why is he doing that? You know what? I but think that that, yes. that would actually. I, I swear, I'm not joking around. Like that's the type of sometimes those those physic the physical it does uh, yeah. cues it yeah. it's a connection. actually it's a connection. really like uh, bring it home like that. It totally yeah. well, helps. Like in the exercise you, you walked us through, you know, think of your tailbone, mm-hmm. think of your shoulders. Yeah, you know, line up. You know, and in yoga, you know, lining your chakras, you're, right. you're lining up your, your spinal cord That's to right. stack all your vertebrae so that you're. That's what's really going on there, Christian. You're hip to it. Exactly. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I love the connection of the physical with the mental. And yeah. that's also where you, you start to find new spiritual levels in yourself and kind of just broaden. I think you, I forget what it was that you said in that exercise, but it was something along the lines of uh, now you're really reaching, yeah. right? Now you're, you're, you're striving to, to rise. Yeah, right? humans, we, have, so we have this thing about aspiring to be upright. Mm. Right. Proud. Right? Yeah, and you think about good. what babies do. Like the, the way babies start to notice their world is they pick up their head. When they pick up their head, they pick up their shoulders. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. eventually, they're upright. Right. I mean, that's, right. that's something really beautiful and precious about us as humans. Absolutely. Yeah, grounded we're the, the We're the only ones the on the side. planet doing it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Garrett, I am so excited about you playing at drive-ins and fairgrounds, and I think it's an awesome pivot for your business. I hope it's working out well for you. Yeah, it's uh, it's just, it, it is, everything's been a pivot right now. and um, <laughs> No joke know, for all of us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, just yeah. to, for everyone to try to be fluid right now, I think the, that's the main thing right now is just to try to be fluid and it's interesting because um, actually, I was just thinking about it this morning um, re- in regards to our podcast that we started mm-hmm. in the second episode. So uh, <laughs> we're getting the kinks out and stuff. But, um, you know, um, this has been a time since my tour ended in March 12th where, um, you know, when one door closes, another door opens. If right. you're out, if you're looking for the door and accepting new, knock opportun- the doors. Not new opportunities, you know. So, yeah. Um, I, I was just thinking today. I was like, wow, my cameo app sure is slow this week. Oh well, good thing I'm doing these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's been like that. It's it's really interesting, fluid time. How's it been, uh, Lisa? For for you, like, because you did hint on that earlier. How your business has also been kind of decimated a lot of what you were doing uh are, are you coaching and mentoring um on on through zoom and doing oh for know? sure you know professional yeah. the profession of professional coaching as a separate thing from agile coaching 
has been online since the very beginning, like back to like handheld telephones before okay. there was even sure. video. So like, so in that skill set, I know how to connect with people through technology, no problem. Right. Um, but you know, my war my life of flying around the world and appearing at conferences and giving keynotes and then working with organizations in that location, um, it's all gone. Wow. It's all gone. You know, I was supposed to be in, uh, in March, Ireland, in Australia, and somewhere else, maybe in the UK. I'm supposed to be coming back from Safari in Botswana in Namibia today. Oh my gosh. Oh. Right? Yeah. So there's so much that has not happened. And I'm so missing my life out in the world because I realized my friends are out in the world. You know, when I go to these places and conferences and I work with organizations, I'm right. going to be with friends. Right, 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 right. And so it's been quite lonely, even though my husband sure. is an amazing, wonderful human being. And my daughter and her boyfriend have moved in for pandemic sheltering and now are going to move out this week. Um, it's been amazing to be with them. But these are four walls. <laughs> right. Yeah. These are the same yeah. four walls, you know. <laughs> So, you know, it's, um, yes, much, much of my work has gone online. Much of it yeah. has. And I can do most of my work online. And in fact, it's opened up new possibilities. I gave the opening keynote at the Agile Southeast Asia conference last week, where oh. in a prior pre-COVID world, we would have assumed that had to be in person. Therefore, I would have had to create about, Hours about of travel. well, not only that, but about three weeks of consulting work around that to make the okay. trip worth it, right? And so, like, there's, it's so much easier to reach people. Sure. And gosh, you know, as I recorded the audiobook for Coaching Agile Teams, and the assumption is that people are in in-person teams, by and large, I was like, God, I hope we can get back to that at some point. Because there's yeah. so much we're missing. With this, this change that we're all going through, uh, businesses are having to rewrite the rules super fast. Yeah. Right. All of the old norms, all the old practices, um, you know, everyone's pivoting. We're pivoting. You're pivoting. Gee, you're pivoting. Like um, Agile is that tool to help people, companies move more quickly, more swiftly. Are you, are you seeing any of that kind of um, with, with the customers that you have? Are they are they really doubling down on, on Agile and, and the ability to, to pivot and move fast with, with the software? Because software is yeah. where all the business rules are written, right? Right. So the, the segment of the customers I work with are the transformationists. <laughs> right. So I'm not actually seeing the products and the business rules and all that sure. sort of stuff. I'm working sure. at the level of like uh, product flow through the whole organization, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I'm actually mm -hmm. not even working at that directly because I'm not a content expert in that. I'm working mm. by helping those people become more capable to then work with those issues. And I, sure. and I am seeing them, number one, struggle for mm -hmm. sure. And number two, start to reach out for help now. And it's really just started in the last month or so. I think for the first okay. few months, we were all sort of like, oh my gosh, this is like totally Where are my feet? Shot, yeah, right? get my feet underneath me. Yeah. yeah. And now people are like, yeah, so, you know, parts of life are going to keep going. Like my daughter and her boyfriend actually got real jobs that they're happy with. They just, they just both graduated Good. college. Congrats. Yeah. yeah. They're moving yeah. out. Congratulations. Like, like life is moving forward, even though we're in the middle of the pandemic. Um. And so I think now people are picking up their heads going, whoa, man, I don't have what I need to be able to right. metabolize this amount of change right. um, and make good decisions. Hmm. Well, you know what? I, this might be a little off subject, but um, maybe you should write 
a, a book or add to the consulting ways to um, effectively communicate via, is anybody doing that? Like a guideline for Zoom, like a guideline, you know what I mean? <laughs> I had that thought like five years ago. Okay. And my husband and I were having a lovely evening talking to each other. There was some wine involved. There's a drink and wine song on your latest. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know, and, and check, it, out, it was, check out the juice. It was really good. It was really good. And I said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, John. We're going to need connection school. Connection school. Yeah. Connection, connection school. school. Yeah. Because we're, well, I had no clue then, this was several years ago, about COVID, right? But that has accelerated. But also, we have an entire generation of millennials who know how to use technology, but actually don't know how to connect. Right. Oh, yeah. Hmm. What I see is them um, staying on the surface with one another quite often through their technology. Hmm. Um, and if so, yeah. I've been thinking about it. I'm not sure that it's my job to do. So maybe whoever's mm -hmm. hearing this, it goes like, yeah, connection school. Go for it. <laughs> connection school. Yeah. Professional coaches have been doing it for a couple decades now. Right. So, I mean, yeah. it's not like we don't know how to do it. We do. Right. Well, friends, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, Lisa, it's so awesome uh, to get this time with you. And G, always good to see you. Thank you guys. Um, I, I'm so happy for you as well that you you got through the the recording of your the the audiobook, which I can all imagine audiobook, how hard that is. Yeah. And congrats on getting that done. And now you're working on the bonus materials. And I think we're all excited about uh, downloading the whole thing at some point. Um, I guess that'll be available on Amazon uh, here after they do their processing. And, and yeah, it will. So in a few months, the Coaching Agile Teams audiobook okay. will be available. Yeah, it's been fun. Awesome. It's been a really big learning curve, and it's been a lot of fun to have something to focus on. Very good. And G, you got the juice out. You got your band, G Love, and the and the juice. Yes. Uh, hitting yes, a sir. lot of uh, regional spots. A lot of uh, stages that consist of a grass lawn. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's like we said. It's all it's all about fluidity right now, and just um, you know, just making it happen. So, any chance you're working on a social distance tour? We hit drive-ins and. You know, big spreads all over the country, and you just tour old school like you did when you were younger. Um, we have we're we're going to be running an RV and going to do a couple shows like that uh, as far down south from Cape Cod as Roanoke, Virginia. Actually, so we'll be Woo! down. That's not oh that's God. not Texas. Lisa's I'll be there. Neck of the Lisa's woods. Um, I will be there because when I listen to your music, man, I'm bopping. I like. Okay. It. Yeah. Well, I, how far away is Roanoke from Richmond? Like three hours. Oh, well, that's pretty that's not bad. Okay, well, that's not bad. I'll, I'll, I will reach out with the information. Uh, it would be awesome to see you from six feet. That's right. Um, and then to, for you to see me go like this on stage and my mind starts to wander. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Thank you all so much. It's, it's been a lot of fun. And I'm uh, really grateful to you for all the work that you do um, in leadership and in music. And thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa. Yeah, thank you. Thank you both. Thanks, Christian and Garrett, for creating this. Victor Vargas is our art director and engineer, and I'm Katie Thomas. I produce the Digital Transformationists podcast for Precipio Consulting. Precipio Consulting is a full-service digital transformation consulting firm helping businesses large and small 
build, and scale for what's next with the Atlassian product suite and best-in-class frameworks. More about Percipio Consulting at percipio.com slash podcast.